Hey, buddy, do you want to say a few words about this show before uh, people give it a listen? Yeah, I want to encourage everybody, if they want to uh, to learn more about the uh, Albums Are Dead podcast, to go to albumsaredead.com or visit us on twitter.com slash albumsaredead, on Facebook, again, slash albumsaredead, and uh, where else? We're on Instagram, uh, and if you look for Albums Are Dead on Instagram, how about that? We'll also be there. We're also on iTunes and Spotify. On most podcatchers, if you type in Albums Are Dead, uh, you're going to find us. Tell me, uh, do we make money doing this show? We do not make any money doing this show, and uh, all the songs that we play on the show are for preview purposes only, so make sure to go and support the artists. Even if they don't need support, it's still the right thing to do. Go uh, stream their music legally or buy the tracks, because uh, we want to keep above board, folks. All right, folks. Uh, with all that being said, I think we should get to our episode. What do you think? Let's do it. Girl, you know it's true. The truth is, Millie Vanilli were living a lie by pretending to sing when they did not. This is a fairly embarrassing episode when you have people who not only cannot go out on tour and reproduce their songs really in any way, but who also turn out not to have sung on their own records. That's really a bit of a scandal. The two performers involved, Rob Pilatus and Fab Morvan, released a statement claiming they were actually prevented from singing by their own producer, the same man who first revealed that their voices were silent. But at least one radio personality doesn't understand what all the fuss is about. When you go to see a Milli Vanilli, or you go to see a great operatic, or you go to see Caruso perform, or you go to see something that'll last forever, now you're going to be entertained. So what is entertainment? Entertainment is scenery, costumes, lights, a facade. Milli Vanilli is a facade. And they are not the first to try and fool the public by lip syncing. But nevertheless, some are calling them a sign of the time. Spotify. <laughs> so good. Well, you're going, you going to be uh, you're going to be entertained. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you like that. You're going to see a show. You're going to get some entertainment, huh? <laughs> that fucking. Uh, I'm I'm glad that we updated that with a, with a new uh, a new tag at the start. So, that we, uh, well done, us. That, that we was, did. That was. We had to redo the whole thing. We nailed it. I think. Hey, okay? uh, in one take, we did it together. <laughs> and it sounds exactly the same, except for that one part. Uh, we are. Albums are dead. Episode thirty-two. Yes. Uh, I am slip with five eyes or slip. I'm uh, at megamix.com on the old Twitter and uh, yeah, uh, I, psych. <laughs> we're gonna do uh, another album this week, but uh, we swerved you, and uh, we're taking you on a, on, a, on a completely different route. Yeah, you were probably expecting to hear some smells like Teen Spirit there in that intro. <laughs> no lay, <laughs> no lay. <laughs> Uh, I was, I think I was, I did a count of the 31 episodes we did, and I think I'm leading you like 18 to 13. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm a harder worker than you. That's all. <laughs> you are, you are. You know, I wasn't a harder worker th than you in the wrestling ring when we had our backyard wrestling federation. No. <laughs> but at the, but you were, were, you know where you would, you, where you definitely did, you were definitely a harder worker, uh, in the, in your, uh, in your first year of university. <laughs> Not by much. Somehow. Not, somehow. Not by much. Somehow you managed to. <laughs> well, not somehow. It was pretty easy. But somehow I managed to almost work as hard as you did. Yeah, amazing. Uh, and yet here we are. This highly successful podcaster after all that. Oh, I know, right? I mean, I, hey, I went through I went through uh, communications in college. And look, look what it got me. Uh, this fucking podcast. <laughs> well, speaking of hard work, let's... Uh... Uh, you know what? It's it's hard work listening to this album. We're talking about oh "Girl, You Know It's True" by Millie Vanilli this week, and uh, yes. So you initially had said you were going to do uh, um, "Never Mind" by Nirvana, which yeah. is coming next week. Everybody, it's coming. I just couldn't pull it together. Spring breaks on, and I, I was off with uh, 
my kid, and then things got in the way and just couldn't couldn't get it together. Left it till the last minute. Uh, and like I was in high school doing doing a homework. And I decided I decided to go with the opposite, basically. Though, as I say that, I realized members of each band ended up committing suicide. So yeah, not, well, you know, we got that in common. Yeah, so not so different, I guess. But yes, uh, we're going to talk about Millie Vanilli, and uh, you know what? I'm going to jump right into it because sometimes well, before you before oh. you before you jump into it, <laughs> I before I jump in before you ask, do you have questions for me? Is that, <laughs> yes, I do. I, that's why I'm cutting in. Before you ask the questions, I have to say, okay, unlike some other albums, it's never a problem no. ma- making an hour's worth of uh, material. No, uh, for this one. It was it was a an exercise in cutting things down because clearly there is so yeah. much out there for this album. Oh yeah, I mean th- this is uh, this is one of the all time classics for all the wrong reasons. Uh, anyways, I, I, you have some questions. Yes, I do. I mean, when we were, I, I I thought maybe we'd do something new this week. Oh, okay. And uh, you know, I maybe 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 uh, first of all, um, have you like what what. What kind of um, made you choose this album as to cover today? Because the story is great. <laughs> yeah, the story is great. It's, I mean, it's it's somewhat sad. It's somewhat crappy, yes. but it's a yeah. it's an amazing story when it comes to an album. I mean, the the album sold a ton too, so it's easy to talk about the tracks. There's some hilarity involved in this. <laughs> yes, and, uh, but yeah, the story is is fantastic, and uh, you know this this podcast is for everybody, obviously. Yes. But we generally gravitate t- towards albums that are in our wheelhouse, you know. Yes. We're, that mm. came out within that sweet spot of our lives between, like, yep. you know, we're between when we're 12 and, what, 25? Sure. And uh, so this one is kind of at the, the beginning stages of that. It was a big deal for, mm-hmm. for people my age when this came out. So that's yep. why I wanted to talk about it. Um, what's your personal uh, connection here? Any, anything that you can uh, think of? Um, I knew of the songs. Yeah, <laughs> when I was when I was in grade six. There you go. Uh, you know, girl, uh, girl, I'm gonna miss you. I, I stood along yeah. the sidelines during many slow dances. During many dances, yes. Watching, there you watching go. Watching all the all the guys and ladies dance while I while I stood there with a tear in my eye. There uh, you go. You know what? Before you ask me if you have other questions, I have to ask you: What is your connection yes. to this album? Um. Well, I did. I have this album. I feel like I did. Um, it was a big deal in grade seven. Um, I specifically remember grade seven, um, 1989, um, kind of fall. And uh, I remember because we were because we weren't at our high school. It hadn't been built yet. So we spent half a year in other schools. <laughs> yes. And I remember being at Victor Major in an English school. We were crammed into two fucking classrooms, two of our classes. And then I guess some other kids were other places, but we weren't. We were at this place, and uh, I just remember it being big at that time. Fucking blame it on the rain, right? Oh, yeah. And uh, it was huge. So I remember that. I remember having it, I think, or else I borrowed it from my cousin. Not too sure. Um, I remember seeing a lot of Millie Vanilli on Saturday mornings on America's Top Ten. Yeah. All, every fucking week. I just, I just you know, like, it's, it's one of those, that and, like, straight up. <laughs> like Paul Abdul, I mean, those are like, and blame it on the rain, you know, like those two are kind of like the two big ones that I, in my mind's eye, I can see. Um, year, a few years later, I remember being at somebody's house. Well, we were a few years later, it would have put us into 95 or 96. I remember being, uh, me and the Cajun man were out somewhere at somebody's house, and it was like a party. And um, someone, as a, as a goof, pulled out, girl, you know, it's true, was playing it. And I remember. I'd never heard, even though I had my hands on this album at some point, the last track, the New York subway mix uh-huh. and listening to it. Cause it's terrible. And there was like, at one point there's like the music stops and then like a fucking bucket gets like hit as like a, some kind of, it's like a, it's like clonk. And we thought it was fucking hilarious. And like, it was, it was kind of like this, like meme before memes. We'd always talk about. Uh-huh. Um, and then the third thing that connects me to this, specifically to this album or more specifically to a particular song of course is kt yes our pal kid tetris um uh don't forget my number (laughs) baby don't forget my number uh him singing this to me 
Um, and just fucking, I, I'd never laughed so hard in my life at the way he sang it and did the fucking dance. It was amazing. And so shout out to Kid Tetris for reviving this many years later. And so for me, I was kind of excited. I'm like, oh, we can talk about this and, uh, and, and do the breakdown. So, uh, yeah, that, that would be, those would be the, the three main things that I, I remember most about this album. All right. Do you have any other questions? Yes, I do. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, you know, you are, uh, in terms of, in terms of, uh, uh music, uh, let's just say you're very well traveled in terms of uh, the live experience. Have you seen, did you ever see Millie Vanilli live? No. <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, spoiler alert, because yes. we're going to be, we're going to be talking about uh, <laughs> the tour at the yes. end. The tour ended abruptly in 1991. <laughs> yep. We'll tell you why shortly. Uh, yes. They played a total of four shows in Canada. <laughs> Two were in Montreal, one was in Quebec City, one was in Hamilton. I was 12 when they stopped touring. I did not see them. Uh, no, I have okay. to ask you. I got to ask. Have you seen them? Me? I have not, no. Oh, it's too bad. Which is par for the course, really. <laughs> yeah. Well, those are some great questions. We should maybe uh, make that a segment. <laughs> eh. Yeah, it's kind of done, why, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, who cares? I mean, we don't, we don't. This bury... will probably be the last time that we that we ask those questions. No, anyway, we don't bury bury things into the ground. No, never. No, no, no. Uh, let's talk about Millie Vanilli. Let's do it. All right, from the Wiki. <laughs> of course, Millie Vanilli was a German R and B duo from Munich. The group That's was Germany, folks. Uh, the <laughs> the group Just was founded that. by Frank Farian in 1988. Yes, and consisted of Fab Morvan and Rob Pilatus. The yep. group's debut album, which we're going to talk... Well, not this... this uh, Kind of the predecessor to this one, but kind of the same album. All or Nothing. Yeah, that's Europe, right. Was re- and reconfigured as Girl, You Know It's True in the United States, achieved international success, and earned them a Grammy Award for Best New Artist in February of 1990. <sighs> Millie Vanilli became one of the most popular acts in the late 1980s and, and early 1990s, with millions of records sold. However, we'll just spoil it for everybody right now. Right away. Yep. Their success quickly turned to infamy when Morvin, Pilatus, and their agent Sergio Vendero confessed that Morvin and Pilatus did not sing any of the vocals heard on the music releases. The duo ended up giving back the Grammy Award for Best New Artist. The group recorded a comeback album in 1998 called Back in the Attack, but the album was never released after Rob Pilatus died at the age of 32. What was that album? Back and in Attack. Back and in Attack. What a great, what a great fucking title for an album. Uh, I'm going to talk right away a little bit about Frankie uh, Frank Farian. Yes. Uh, Frank Farian is a German record producer and songwriter. Uh, he uh-huh. is well before uh, Millie Vanilli. He's best known for this kind of stuff right here. Yes. She's crazy like a fool. So, he is the founder yep. and voice of mm-hmm. 1970s disco pop group Boney M. Yes. And also the mastermind behind Millie Vanilli. His tendency, so he was the voice. He was the actual voice of the of the male singer in Boney M. He was. Uh, quick, quick fun fact before we go further. Uh, I remember back in the day... Uh, that uh, me and and some other dudes, I don't remember. We were convinced that Boney M was the man. Yes. And that the ladies were 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 the sexo ladies. <laughs> so this. So not only was Boney M like the entire group and not the dude. Yeah. But the dude wasn't even the singer. No, he was not. He was just a dude that was and put it's on not camera. Like he really sang anyway, but th- that would be Frank Farian's voice. Um. That that low kind of uh, you know baritone speaking voice was not the, the guy. That poor dude. He all wasn't even allowed to talk on the album. <laughs> so Farian started as a train cook before moving into the music industry. In the early days of his career, he was keen to attain success as a solo artist, but he made little impact on the music scene until his song "Baby, Do You Want a Bump" uh, was released under the pseudonym Boney M. Yeah. Uh, he also had, uh, you know, there were other hits, but eventually uh, he put this band together. And when Boney M performed live, apparently they did kind of sing it. But on the albums, the male yeah. vocals are all Frank Farian, who is, yeah. you know, this just white German dude with reddish hair. 
Yes. Boney M is lead singer, of course. Uh, black guy. Yeah. But he's just yeah. like, all right, that that's going to work. So uh, he he did a number of other projects. He produced an album for Meatloaf in the 1980s. Nice. And then eventually uh, did the Millie Vanilli thing and kind of put the whole the whole scam t- or scam together. He was the Sven Gali. Yeah. Uh, so he, uh, I've got a couple of articles on this scandal. So the scandal, of course, we're talking about is that Nilly Vanilli's, you know, the, the people on the covers did not uh, have anything actually to do with the album other than their faces and some bad dancing. Um, and so, this was a big fucking deal. Yeah. So I'm going to just get right into it. Uh, you know, we're not going to save this for the end. Let's talk about it all now. Then we can focus on the album. Uh, So, article from the Los Angeles Times, November 21st, 1990. We sold our souls to the the devil. In a wide-ranging interview, the duo duo tell the whole story about what it was like to live a lie. This is written by Chuck Phillips. Mm -hmm. Uh, He says, uh, It was Rob Palatis and Fabrice Morvin's worst nightmare come true. There they were, dancing and moving their lips in front of 15,000 fans, and the (laughs) sound system broke down. The machine uh, wouldn't say the word true from Girl You Know It's True. It just kept skipping, and you can find clips. Girl You Know It's, Girl You Know It's. Uh-huh. Uh, and so it just began to repeat the opening lyrics. It was the title cut of one of the hottest pop albums of 1989. Seven million albums sold. Videos, cassettes, CDs, concert appearances, merchandising, a gold mine for two young, dreadlocked breakdancers, a German record producer with a knack for making hits, a huge German entertainment conglomerate and its New York-based U.S. label, uh, Arista Records, and it was built on a lie that would come to bite them all 16 months later. Yeah. Plato said, I knew right then and there it was the beginning of the end of Millie Vanilli. When my voice got stuck on the computer and it just kept repeating and repeating, I panicked. Now, first thing, wasn't your voice, pal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, he said, I panicked. I didn't know what to do. I just ran off the stage. Uh... The uh, eventually the humiliation that they suffered that summer evening on the MTV club tour proved to be but a hint of problems to come. Those would reach a critical mass as the duo and their producer prepared to release songs for their new album, Keep On Running, due out in January of 1991. <laughs> Pilatus and Morvan insisted that they be allowed to sing on the new record, something they hadn't done in the past. Producer Frank Farian, who owns the name Millie Vanilli, resisted but released in Europe early cuts from the album with Pilatus and Morvan on the cover. It's a collector's item now, but uh, for by the time the record is released in the United States, it would feature a different picture and indeed a different group altogether. <laughs> nice. Words like embarrassment, sham, or hoax were too mild. <laughs> Millie Vanilli was a scandal fueled like most scandals with ambition, greed, and mendacity. It was two minor talents manipulated and manipulating to the top rungs of show business. It was the record industry's myth-making machine built with a recording technology capable of deceit and operated by men uh, men who choose to deceive. And it was a public that was more impressed with image than talent, more accepting of appearances than demanding of the truth. And this is, you know what, in the intro we made fun of the guy that's like, you go to see a show, huh? Like, Well, no, but he he's right. Well, and that's the interesting thing and, and, the, and the question that I think we should all ask ourselves yes. <laughs> as we go through this, which is that people talk about Millie Vanilli being bullshit yep. and they give back the Grammy and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It, it kind of falls apart because these two guys who were featured in the videos and the cover, et cetera, actually aren't the performers. But... Someone did perform the music. It was made. It was produced, and it was sold, and people it did enjoy written. it. Yeah, like uh-huh. it's it, there's a real piece of art that exists. Yeah, it's not like you um, bought the CD and inside there was no CD. Yeah, <laughs> like, get... like like I'm serious. I never like I've never really understood the backlash. It's like you bought it. It's the music. The songs, you know, they still exist. You know, we still get to make fun of "Baby, Don't Forget My Number." It's still a thing. In fact, I I reason that that it you know the fact that it's those guys in their big fucking uh, shoulder pad jackets doing those that stupid dance. Yep. I mean, there was value to that. No, even uh, no matter how hilarious it was. 
Uh, we sold our souls to the devil, Palladis said during an exclusive two-hour interview over the weekend. He and his partner agreed to talk to the Times and tell the story. We lied to our f- families and our friends. We do- let down our friend, our fans. We realized exactly what we did to achieve our success. We made some very big mistakes and apologize. <laughs> this is very sad, but this next line yep. cracks me up. Rob and I never meant for it to go this way, Morvan added. Our producer tricked us. <laughs> We signed contracts as singers, but were never allowed to contribute. It was a nightmare. We were living a lie. The psychological pressure was very hard, and it was like we were trapped in some golden prison. Uh, yeah, and so they uh, they ended up uh, doing a presser where they gave away their uh, Grammy. Here is a little bit of a clip. Okay. Reporters were out for blood. And the result was a media circus that was anything but tame. When Rob Palatus and Fab Morvan, otherwise known as Millie Vanilli, tried to explain a two and a half year deception. You get something, but for that you make a pact with the devil. The purpose of the event was to announce the pair was returning the Grammy Awards they won for the Best New Artist of 1989. But the Recording Academy had already stripped them of the trophies the day before. The duo told CNN what should have been the best night of their lives was the worst. We we felt that's the death sentence. (laughs) How would you feel? Because because there we knew already people uh, spoke to the press. The whole wave started to begin. Nobody could stop the wave. We knew we were lost in the moment that we got the Grammy in the hand. (laughs) Like, like those dudes clearly didn't sing it. Like... (laughs) No, I know. You hear them talk. What I find interesting about that clip, I mean, there's two things. The first thing, look at, listen, that, that fucking media. Hey, imagine, imagine if they were that, you know, if they got that fucking voracious about lying about the lies of, let's say a president. Yes. (laughs) I mean, imagine. (laughs) Yeah. Nope. Nope. These fucking dudes. But you know what? I don't buy this whole, like, you know, you guys fucking knew you could have, you could have walked away. Yeah, like you weren't you weren't in jail. You went along with it until you got caught, and then all of a sudden it was a prison. Well, here's the other thing. Like again, you're it's not like you were in prison. You know, you you could have walked away and, and then they, they maybe they were threatened with like lawsuits or a contract, but like they could have held the gun back to uh, back yeah. to Therian's head and been like, We're gonna expose your fucking scam, yeah. dude. We're fucking telling. Uh, all right, here's another clip about something that's uh, that's goofy uh, from this uh, reaction, and then I got a, a fun a fun quote. Here we go. Excellent. For fans like David Stalter, the image portrayed by Fab Morvan and Rob Pilatus, and the voices heard on the records and videos were one and the same. When I when I listened to the music, I would sort of picture them singing, and I um, because all their photos and stuff are on the covers, I, I sort of just. Um, associated the music with them Mm -hmm. and that's that's how i looked up to them at a press conference in oakland california stalder's mother announced a class action lawsuit against the group its record label arista records and its agents asking for refunds for anyone who purchased the millie vanilli album people are buying the singer who sings the songs they're not just buying the sounds that are being uttered when somebody goes into the store to buy a Millie Vanilli album, they expect to be buying an album that is sung by Morvan and Platius. <laughs> All right. Platius. Yeah, right. Uh, so, Platius. So here's an article in the Los Angeles Times again, uh, November 17th, 1990 by Jeff Meyer. Millie Vanilli meltdown angers former fans. Radio <laughs> oh, stations God. declared themselves Millie Vanilli free and former fans signed petitions denouncing the pop duo Friday after it was learned they didn't really sing on their hit 1988 debut album. Uh, radio station WLOL <laughs> yes, FM in Minneapolis said it was <laughs> yes. said it was Millie Vanilli free and would no longer play the album. Girl, you know it's true. Uh, the station offered listeners an exchange of the Millie Vanilli recordings for a CD or cassette of their choice. As many as 150 people took the station up on the offer. Um, but then there, there was a quote from a DJ at... Uh, K-L-I-T-F-M. Jesus. Uh, that said he's not going to stop playing the record. But my favorite quote okay, is this one. It. Give it to us. I think they're dirty scum buckets, said nine-year-old Katie Dickman of Richmond, Indiana. The fuck? Oh, fuck? I used to like them, but not now. 
Oh my god. I love how we're holding this fucking fucking pop fucking duo up to such a high standard of art. Oh, and like the whole thing makes me sick. We're gonna now we're gonna start breaking down this album and just <laughs> like I get it. I loved it. People loved it. It sold a lot of albums. Like and the songs themselves, some of them, you know, they're they're fun. But this album is a bunch of fucking crap. I mean, I have I my main thought is okay. You know, like listen, it was huge for a short period of time, and that's fine. But I mean, this 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 thing had no shelf life anyway. Uh, yeah. The second thing is, it's not like we're talking about like I can't believe that it was it was it was it, Paul McCartney for all these years was tricking us <laughs> for decades. It's all. For a year, you thought these fucking dudes were just singing this bubblegum garbage. Yeah. And you're so betrayed. Come on! Uh, Girl, You Know It's True, uh, again, is a reconfigured and repackaged version of the European-only release All or Nothing. Nothing. The album was a major success in the U.S., producing five singles that entered the top five of the Billboard Hot 100, three of which reached the top position. And uh, just to give you a sense for how popular they were, uh, the Billboard yeah. year-end Hot 100 singles of 1989. Uh, yeah. Number one, Look Away by Chicago. Uh, what? Uh, yeah, but here we go. Number eight, Girl, You Know It's True, Millie Vanilli. Number 16, Girl, I'm Gonna Miss You by Millie Vanilli. Number oh, 21, yeah. Blame It on the Rain, Millie Vanilli. Number 28, Baby Don't Forget My Number, Millie Vanilli. Yes. To put that into perspective, Bat yes. Dance by Prince was number 44. On the oh, you did it! I sure did. <laughs> Woo! I knew it wouldn't be that hard in this episode, to be quite honest with you, but I was waiting for it. Uh, exactly. So these and songs... And dance, also dog shit. <laughs> so these these songs are a big deal. A big, big deal at the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the album was certified six times platinum and spent seven weeks atop the Billboard Top 200. Additionally, it spent 41 weeks within the Top 10 and 78 yeah. weeks on the charts overall. It was also certified diamond in Canada, uh, and Di- so again we got the song. So what's that? Is that a million in Canada? Diamond? Or I think is it, it 500, is. Thou? I think diamond in Canada is. Isn't it a million? Hold on. Okay. What? You gotta figure this out. Yeah, here we go. What is diamond certification? Here you go. In Canada. I can hear the typing. Amazing. I know, right? Uh, <laughs> I get a bunch of sites for diamonds. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, diamond certified albums in Canada would be million. A million? Oh, that's that's big. Oh my god. Other albums uh, to reach a million sales in Canada are like Alana Miles, New Kids on the Block, George Michael, all around this time. Uh, yeah. So there you go. Diamond in Canada. A million copies of that thing. Jesus. Uh, so. I'm going to talk a little bit uh, about a new... It's it's not really a source, because we're not going to use it a lot. They just happen to be talking a lot about this album. But it's a pretty good radio show. It's a community radio show in Minneapolis called Crap from the Past. Yes. Uh, hosted by Ron Boogie Monster Gerber. Yes. <laughs> uh, Friday nights, by the way, 10 to midnight central on KFAI-FM in Minneapolis. Mm. Uh, so here's what they said on their site, because they did a whole show devoted to this. Um, In typical Millie Vanilli fashion, it seems that the project had meddling input from virtually everyone except Rob and Fab themselves. The track order on the US CD is out of sequence with the listing posted on the cover art. A few of the writer's credits are inconsistent with what is listed in external sources. The song I'm Gonna Miss You was retitled Girl I'm Gonna Miss You and was released as a single. Some of the CD's track times are way off, showing the presence of different mixes at the record company, and a few times printed on the CD even differ from what's printed on the LP labels. Yes! The song Girl You Know It's True showed up in five different edits throughout their first three CDs, and the topper for the original European release of the album, the names Rob Pilatus and Fabrice Morvan aren't even listed anywhere at all. Nice! Their pictures appear on the front and back of the album, but they aren't credited with doing a single thing. <laughs> just amazing like just so yep. sloppy <laughs> yep uh as a sense of context here are the top five positions on the top pop album charts the week that millie vanilli hit number one we have girl you okay. know it's true at number one hanging yep. tough by new kids on the block at number two 
Forever Your Girl by Paul Abdul at number three. Yes. Uh, Repeat Offender by Richard Marks at number four. Oh, yes. And Full Moon Fever by Tom Petty at number five. All right. Uh, now, Discogs, when you look up Girl You Know It's True, has a v- quite a long article. Yeah, I know. I'm looking at it right now, all these different pressings. So, it's like, it's gold. So there are at least four confirmed versions of the North American Girl You Know It's True CD album. At this point, it is also unknown if all four pressings made it to Canada. The first pressing was certainly released in Canada. It okay. may be hard to tell which you have by looking at them. Four of the yeah. ten tracks are different. <laughs> Uh, and then they kind of talk about what the four pressings are. Uh, so there's some information right. there. Uh, and uh, th- there's like, there's just a whole bunch of information about the different like tracks on each pressing. It's so like, again, yeah, the difference in the timing, right? Like, just like, yeah, it's, it's actually quite, quite interesting. Again, like this album is just, it's, it's really the epitome of like produced crap. A big sloppy mess. <laughs> That, that people just bought and went crazy. Yeah. Uh, so wow. a, co- a couple of the songs uh, on this album uh, used a drum beat that is known as The Beat. Yes. Frank Terrian bore liberally from earlier recordings to put together the Millie Vanilli backing tracks. The Billboard review of the first single cites Don't Look Any Further by Denise Edwards with uh, Seda Garrett as an inspiration for some of The Girl You Know It's True Rhythm. So uh, mm-hmm. let's, let's have a listen to this track. Yeah, do it. Uh, a great deal of attention was placed on that beat, and the review mentions its use in Paid in Full, a 1987 yes, I that. by Eric B. and Rakim. The beat was also used on LL Cool J's Jack, and the, uh, Jack the Ripper from 1988. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the original source of that beat was a 1974 recording by the Soul Searchers called Ashley's Roach Clip. Yes. The beat would be recycled endlessly in the early 90s. Here are some singles that you would hear it on. Unbelievable by EMF. Set Adrift mm-hmm. on Memory Bliss by PM Dawn. Choose by yeah. Color Me Bad. Um, and variations of the beat would turn up on a host of other songs that didn't sample it directly. Um, There's a thread with all those artists that you just mentioned as well. Yeah. So there you go. We've got uh, uh, wonders. a whole bunch of stuff coming out of uh, out of the beat. So here we go. All right. Uh, the only other thing that I'm going to mention very quickly before we get into the tracks is uh, there is an article on Rolling Stone released uh, April 6th, 1998. Millie Vanilli's Rob Palladis dead at 33. Mm-hmm. Um. Although an official autopsy report at the time had not been issued, according to German newspaper uh, Bild am Sonntag and AP reports, Pilatus had been consuming a potentially fatal combination of alcohol and pills. Producer uh, Pilatus's former pr- partner, Fab Morvin, and producer Frank Ferrian told the newspaper that Pilatus had been undergoing drug rehab in Germany since late last year. I mean, the dude ended up killing himself, basically. Uh-huh. So, uh, a sad ending for one of the members of Amelia Vanilli. Yes, indeed. Uh, before we get into the tracks, anything that you wanted to add? Not really. I got to say this Discogs uh, entry for this is fascinating. I would, you know, anybody who wants to, to, to delve a little bit deeper on just the, the absolute ridiculousness of it is, uh, yeah, Discogs.com. Just search for Amelia Vanilli. Look at Girl You Know It's True. Fantastic resource, this one. Really, really detailed. So awesome. I'm excited to go track by track. There are some fucking dogs on here. <laughs> Let's start. Yeah. So what are you doing back? Like, you know right there it's not them. I really <laughs> mean that much to you? Girl, you know it's true. <laughs> yes. All right, released is the lead single for Millie Vanilli's European debut album, All or Nothing, and the duo's American debut album, Girl, You Know It's True. Uh, the title track peaked at number one on the German singles chart, number two in the United States, and number three in the United Kingdom. Uh, yeah. It was released as a single on June 25th, 1988. Uh, from Song Facts. Yes, oh God, I forgot we, we have these sources. Before, so Millie, before Millie Vanilli got into it, this was a European dance hit from the Maryland-based band The Numerics, 
released oh. in 1987 as a 12-inch single running at 7 minutes and 27 seconds. It was popular in German dance clubs. The, new, the Newmark's version is slower, with more spacing between the elements, but it's clearly the same song. I wish we had a copy of it. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Come on. Yes. I love it. Ridiculous. Frank Farian created this song using New Newmark's track as a guide. And I'm like, well, he copied it. He, wow. He used American singers since he wanted guys with a feel for the hip hop sound that was becoming so popular in the States. He found three guys who had served on the American army base in Germany, singers John Davis and Brad Howell and rapper Charles Shaw. And these are the guys who actually perform on the track. So here we go. Let me just scrub it. I love you. <laughs> wow. Jesus, come on, sing it. It's the same song. Exactly. And even the chorus, which I can't find because this fucking long garbage mix. So anyways... <laughs> There you go. Uh, from the Wickeye, Millie Vanilli made a cameo appearance performing this song in an episode of NBC's Saturday morning cartoon, The Adventures of Super Mario Brothers 3. Nice! <laughs> the episode entitled Cootie Pie Rocks aired in October of 1990. After the lip-syncing scandal broke out, the episode was edited to replace the Millie Vanilli song uh, featured in the episode with a generic pop instrumental and specific references and jabs at these songs were removed. However, the group themselves are still mentioned by name. All right. So there you go. Super Mario, huh? Hey. Oh. Uh, Entertainment. Yeah, right? So, uh, Entertained. <laughs> uh, song meetings. Oh, please. Give it to us. Uh, only two quick comments that I found. Number one, uh, Levitator89 said, one of the funniest videos of all time. If you've not seen this music video, and I know we never talk about music videos on this show. No, I know. This is this is novel. Uh, but it's a hideous music video. Uh, yeah. These two guys um, who are on the cover, they're they're referred to as breakdancers and dancers, and they're <laughs> such they're such bad dancers. <laughs> like they're horrible. I know. Like I, I I'm sure they're very nice guys, but it's like, what is your talent? Uh, all right, the other person here. I, I mean, I'm sorry, but you know, uh, user Delm said this song is so money, it's sick. <laughs> nice. Uh, from the December seventeenth, nineteen eighty eight Billboard magazine, uh, they have mm -hmm. a new, new and noteworthy section. And it's okay. just a small section where they have a bunch of songs and they give very, very short uh, reviews of each of them. Uh -huh. uh, and uh, it says, uh, Stateside release for this gingerly paced pop rap from a dual cut out of the Terrence Trent Darby fashion mold that okay. has been the top 10 in a number of countries already. Catchy vocal phrasing and hip production shows much potential for a multi-format response. Take note of the Don't Look Any Further paid in full rhythmic underpinnings. So there you there go. There you go. All right. Uh, and that's Girl You Know It's True. <laughs> now business really picks up. Yes, it does. Oh, just get with it already. This one's for you. <laughs> yes. So as we heard in the intro, Baby Don't Forget My Number. Oh, so good. Releases a single December 10th, 1988, the second single from Girl You Know It's True. Mm -hmm. It became the first of their three number one hits on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. In 1992, Weird Al Yankovic parodied this song and Blame It on the Rain as the plumbing song. Yes. The single was certified gold in the USA by RIAA. From Song Facts. Yes. Uh... The group's mastermind, Frank Farian, took sole songwriter credit for this song. Uh, their previous hit, of course, was a remix. So with uh, the previous song, Girl, You Know It's True, there were no royalties to be made. No. 
So and Frank, he didn't take full credit, by the way. Yeah, well, he, so it was with, there's B Nail, a.k.a. Brad Howell, too, right? That's right. Uh, here we go. <laughs> yes. All right, tell the story. So we're, I'm sitting, we're sitting at the, at, the, at the cabin on the on the back deck one night. And I don't even know why Kid Tetris decided that he would sing it. He just started singing it. And it was just such a great fucking uh, impression that I just, I couldn't stop laughing. It was amazing. And, it, and it's kind of stuck to this day. <laughs> it's kind of stuck to this day. I mean, listen, you listen to this song and you're like, they had to bring someone else in to sing this bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, from the April 29th, 1989 Billboard Magazine review, uh, just mm-hmm. one sentence here. Uh, second pop rap offering from the duo is unashamedly, uh, girl, you know, or sorry, unashamedly, girl, you know, it's true. Part two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's it for a baby. Don't forget uh, my this number. on the first pressing. So this on the first pressing of this album it is not the uh the album version it is a 12 inch subway mix edit <laughs> yep so on the first pressing this wasn't even the, the the single version it was just or or the album version it was just a six minute and 28 second fucking mix that i believe probably sounds similar to the subway mix at the end of the album uh, one, of the others of girl you know it's true one thing that uh I didn't mention about this album uh, earlier um, with all these copies going out is that Arista Records eventually, after dropping the act, deleted the album from its masters in their catalog. Really? So it's the largest selling album or one of them to have ever been taken out of print. Uh, Fortunately, there are just so many copies flying around. But like if you go to Spotify, you can't get Girl, You Know It's True. Uh, Like for our playlist, if you go to Spotify, by the way, on Spotify... Mm, On Spotify. You can hear our uh, Albums Are Dead playlist, and uh, I had to call this together from other albums. That's right. From, like, compilations and things? Yeah, because it's not, it's, not it's not a released album anymore. So much fucking shame over nothing. I know. <laughs> like, really? I mean... I mean, there were major hits here. Why can't you just have them see the light of day? And as we listen to this album, it's like, wait... One of the so- guys is dead. So really, like, what are you holding on to? It's like, you were proud of this before? Yeah, that's the thing, right? Like, what were you really proud of? <laughs> All right, let's... Like, this uh, is such a stain on, on what? Let's hear track uh, three. Ugh. Jesus. Uh, written by Ernesto uh, written by Ernesto Phillips, uh, who was a member of Starpoint. Starpoint was an American R&B sextet for Maryland that began recording in the 1980s. Uh, mm-hmm. They released a number of albums, their biggest one being uh, Object of My Desire, uh-huh. uh, which I'd rather listen to. So here we go. Already better. You'll know this one. Let me just scrub it a little bit. There you go. Nice. Yes. Band members became involved with songwriting and session work for various other R&B artists. In 1988, Ademio was credited with co-writing Millie Vanilli's Girl, You Know It's True. Millie Vanilli's accompanying American album titled after the hit single also featured this song, uh, featured, uh, sorry, featured this song composed by Ernesto Phillips, who is in this band. Again. Yeah. I like this song. Just give me a little scrub. Come on, do it. There you go. Nice. I try to listen to that. Yeah, I know, right? You know, I'm looking at the credits here on Discogs and they have they have horns and fucking sax. And you know, I listen to it and I'm like, that's just fucking keyboard horns. <laughs> I'm wondering if they all gave credit for fucking instruments that weren't even fucking played. We need to have uh, Kevin Nash on the thing. He'd be like, it's fucking fake. Fucking fake. 
Like it's some it's, work. It's it's all a scam. It's like a this it's whole work. album is a sham. It's fake. Yeah. It's, it's carny nonsense. It's only two real things: the money and the miles. <laughs> carny bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's called show business and not show friendship. Yes. All right. <laughs> uh, here's track four. Where the hell is it? All right, so Blame It on the Rain. Yes. Uh, debuted on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 on October 7th, 1989 at number 65. Seven weeks later, uh, the week ending November 25th, it reached number one and occupied the spot for two weeks. Spent 23 <laughs> weeks in the Hot 100. It was preceded at number one on the Hot 100 by Bad English's When I See You Smile and succeeded oh, yes. by Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire. Yes. Uh, I love 1989. I want to talk about Diane Warren. Okay. She is an American songwriter, uh, rose to prominence in 1983, and has since written songs for and co-written songs with multiple singers, as well as for several films. Mm -hmm. Warren has had nine number one songs and 32 top 10 songs in the Billboard Hot 100 chart, uh -huh. uh, including this song. Yep. And uh, as uh, she she reached a milestone because When I See You Smile by Bad English, also written by Diane Warren. Nice. So two songs back to back, number one hits. Uh, here, awesome. here are other number ones by her. Because You Loved Me by Celine Dion. Have You Ever by Brandy. I Don't Want to Miss a Thing by Aerosmith. Look Away by mm -hmm. Chicago. Love Will Lead You Back by Taylor Dane. Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now by Starship. Unbreak My Heart by Troni Braxton and When I See You Small by Bad English. So, nice. like, this is a, a powerhouse in writing pop music, right? right? Uh, song facts. All right. This song tells a tale of heartache after a girl has left her man. The song has a lighthearted approach saying to just blame it on the rain. <laughs> oh my god. The song was featured in an episode of the TV show Full House. Yes! Kimmy Gibbler and DJ Tanner are singing it while they're doing their homework, and Michelle Tanner sings Rain, Rain, Go Away. <laughs> yes! Uh, Colt. Fucking sassy bitch. <laughs> Here's the chorus for those of you that don't know it. I remember when I was in, I think it was in high school, or sorry, in high school, obviously, in like, you know, grade six. And uh, I knew uh, a girl named Lorraine, uh -huh. and people would sing, blame it on Lorraine. Yes! <laughs> Amazing. Uh, another thing, another, this song, though, another KT favorite. Oh, well, excellent. So much is the way that he sings it. Blame uh, it on the rain. <laughs> blame it on the stars that did shine that night. <laughs> Uh, uh, call back to one of our former episodes of Albums Are Dead. Go find it at albumsaredead.com or on Spotify, mm -hmm. etc. Uh, Bare Naked Ladies on the album Gordon. In their song Blame It On Me said, Millie Vanilli told you to blame it on the rain. If all else fails, you can blame it on me. Uh-huh. Uh, and now, let's go Sinner to song meanings. Oh my god. What we are fucking people going to say about this bullshit? User Napnip said... Actually, this song is pretty appropriate in displaying their complete hypocrisy. Oh my god. Just so angry. I'm the fuck. It's, yeah, and I get... And what? Is the comment from like 2012 or something? Uh, 2002. Like 20 years later, they're so irate still. Uh, in 2005, Mean Guy 300 said, LOL, this song is crazy. I mean, first off, Millie Vanilli barely spoke English and probably had no clue how stupid the lyrics were. I mean, let's take a look at the song. A man decides to leave his girl, then he gets lonely and wants her back. So what's Millie Vanilli's advice? Oh well, you could blame it on the rain and stars. OMG, what a great idea. And the next time I get an F on my test, I will blame it on the moon. The next time I lose a bet, I'll just blame it on the sun. Hell, maybe next time I get shot multiple times, I'll just shrug it off and blame it on the trash can. Blame it on the trash can. That's a hit single right there. That guy took time. <laughs> To, to to get mad but a fucking Millie Vanilli song from 1989 you know honestly it's in the grand scheme of dumb lyrics not even close no <laughs> it's it's just generic pop music 
Uh, let's go to the next track here. We get into the, like the we get into like the the low point of this album in the next few tracks. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> uh, this song is called "Take It As It Comes." It was never a single, so let's talk about Climby Fisher instead. Yes, please. Climby Fisher were a UK pop duo formed by vocalist Simon Climby and former Naked Eyes keyboardist Rob Fisher. Is there a more fucking UK name than last name than Climby? <laughs> <laughs> we should ask Disco Stu. Yeah, we should. Uh, Simon Climby also co-wrote I Knew You Were Waiting For Me that was performed by George Michael and Aretha Franklin. Uh But again, uh, in the spirit of better songs than what we're listening to right now. Yes. Here's Climby Fisher's biggest single. Uh, It is called Love Changes Everything. Mm -hmm. Give it a little scrub here. Yeah, good for them. You know this one. Oh yeah. So good for them writing writing crap for idiots. Climby Fisher, there you go. Climby Fisher, the best. Uh, Climby Fisher had three albums of their own. I think that this next track is the low point of the album. Yep. So before it it kind of busts into the them singing. <laughs> This is a cover of mm-hmm. <laughs> the Isley Brothers' It's Your Thing. Mm-hmm. Released in 1969, the funk anthem was uh, it was an artistic response to Motown chief Barry Gordy's demanding hold on his artists after the Isleys left the label in 1968. The song mm-hmm. is ranked number 420 on the Rolling Stone magazine's list of the 500 greatest songs of all time, so why not have Millie Vanilli ruin it? <laughs> exactly. There you go. Good luck and don't take all night. I know it from the start you had a real big heart. Trying to hide what you feel. It's not even fucking singing. No. What are people so got what are people so mad about? It's not singing. Like again, so there's some dude earlier on in this podcast who's like, when I'm in my bedroom listening to this song, I imagine that the two dudes on the cover are singing it, and I'm so sad yeah. that they're not. This. Right. Terrible. Yuck. So I'm sitting in this fucking parking lot, okay, by Gondola Pizza. And it's fucking, it's like, what time is it here? It's like 11 p.m. on a Thursday night. And these fucking dudes, the whole parking lot's empty. And these fucking guys park so goddamn close to me. Oh, wow. Are you intimidated? There's a whole parking lot available. And they're like, he had to like squeeze out of his door. Are you intimidated? Idiots. Anyway. All right. Uh, Dreams to Remember is the next track. All I wrote was co-written by Frank Varian, Mary Applegate, and Dietmar Cowell. Um, it was not a single. It was nothing. It is trash. I mean, there's the saxophone again. Yeah. Well, the sax, the sax, I know is real. The horns, I'm not so All right. Just move along. Here we go. Track eight. Yes. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) It's got fucking meat again. Yep. Like, mix it up a little bit. Again, like, everything is just stolen. Yep. (laughs) Like, Frank Farian is like the repo man of music. You know, the thing about it is, is I have no problem with recycling hot beats. Yeah. But like, like, use a few. (laughs) Why just one? It makes no sense. Uh, So this was released January 20th, 1990. It was their final top 10 single, peaking at number four. It was their final single before the lip syncing scandal. Uh In, (laughs) of course... In 1990, singer-songwriter David Clayton Thomas sued Millie Vanilli for copyright infringement, alleging that All or Nothing used the melody from his 1968 song, Spinning Wheel, Uh a hit from his group Blood, Sweat, and Tears. And you know what? He's right. Yep. (laughs) You know, as as Polly Walnut said, ride the painted pony. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) 
uh, crap from the past is telling us that in the twenty uh, January 27th, 1990, Billboard magazine, under Dance Picks review, said, Major pop hit follows a soul-to-soul rhythmic pattern and rehashes some of Millie Vanilli's previous hits. <laughs> of course. And uh, that's all I got on All or Nothing. Oh, it's so bad. Uh, here we go. All or Nothing. <laughs> We're slowing it down a little bit. Released on July 1st, 1989. Girl, I'm going to miss you. Sometimes listed as I'm going to miss you. Mm-hmm. Uh, was a success hitting the number one spot on the Billboard Hot 100 charts while also being certified gold by the RIAA. The song reached number one in Canada, Austria, Switzerland, and the Netherlands, and number two in the UK, Germany, and Ireland, and number three in Australia. Mm-hmm. Billboard Magazine's review, latest release in the act's five-word title series is a simple, commercially tailored rap-pop ballad. Oh my god. Remember, folks, listen to that. They had to get someone else to sing this. (laughs) Like, what the fuck? Uh, Here is what they said on song meanings. I Killed the Prom Queen said, This song is wild. I guess I would have been like eight years old when it came out, and I don't care if they didn't actually sing it themselves. It's cool. I listened to it the day me and my girlfriend split, and she was still ringing my phone like all day, and this song has just the coldest, most surreal vibe to it. Hard to think it was so mainstream. What? (laughs) Is there another song called Calling Gonna Miss You that is like by by some unknown band? Because... Oh my god. Uh, my own prison. And I never will forget the day we met. <laughs> your favorite your favorite username, my own prison 333. Oh fuck off. Uh hooray for Millie Vanilli. They got in trouble for doing what every pop band in the world is doing. Okay. Uh, user Retro Gamer said, It's a great tune. The real singers should reveal themselves and take credit for what is a great song. This was written in 2007. The real singers did take credit for it. Yes, they sure did. Uh, and I don't have any notes on the last track because the last track is the NY Subway extended mix of Girl You Know It's True. Give us a little snippet. There's that beat. Yep. Like a filter on it. What is this? We're getting heard. Got some fucking guitars. Oh, we're not screwing around. Alright, let's talk about the reviews. Uh just as a as a note to everybody, you gotta listen to that song if you're gonna listen to this. And find and when you hear the bucket, hit me up on Twitter. <laughs> what's your what's your uh handle? At megamix.com. Just say yo megamix. I heard the bucket. Uh, Millie, Let's get that trending. Uh, Robert Criscow. I'm, yes, I am please. shocked. He gave Girl You Know It's True a C. Now, we know that's not a good rating. No, it's not. But it's not the worst rating he can give. No, though it all depends, right? Yeah. If, if he's only giving out like A++++ through C or D, then it's like one of the lowest you can get. But if he's giving out fucking bombs and stuff, then yeah, maybe... Who knows? I can't figure that dude out. What does he got to say? Frank Farian's great Euro disco experiment, Boney M, didn't go over stateside for the simple reason that it was too Euro. His Euro rap is hipper, sexier, and a teensy bit soulful. In short, indistinguishable from the highest quality of Marish schlock, give or take some snazzy sound effects. The title cut is the best cut. The remix of the title cut is the second best cut. <laughs> These dudes almost hit my car backing up because they were so close to me. Look at you, so concerned. Fucking assholes. Anyway, all right. Uh, The Los Angeles Times on June 4th, 1989 gave this album two and a half stars out of five. Okay. Uh, Much of the music on Millie Vanilli's debut album is aimed at the club scene, the most winning example being the hip-hop disco pop of the title cut. The album feels as though it was rushed to completion to capitalize on the runaway success of that sexy smash single, since the rest of the ideas aren't as well thought out. Sexy. I mean, but they're they're totally right. Oh, yeah. No, I know. Uh, Amazon.com. 
Oh yes. There's a there's a there's some uh, one star reviews. Uh, I can't see people getting mad at something they never should have bought. <laughs> this user, Robert J. Premick in 2007 said, "Sorry, but I love the music they fact. <laughs> that would be faked. <laughs> fact. I love it." I love the music, just why did you have to fake it? Why couldn't the real singers sing it? Well, again, the real singers did sing it. Yeah, that is an actual human being. There's human beings who actually sang these songs. It's not like it was a fucking robot. Uh, Bought this as a... It wasn't the dudes that sang it on stage or in the videos. This next guy gave it a star and said, bought this as a gag gift. Crappy mass-marketed 90s music at its finest. It doesn't really matter whether it was these guys performing or not. It was garbage. Made a great white elephant gift for the Christmas party. Dude, you spent your money on it. Exactly. I, it, why? Oh, I, I can't. I, I just can't with some of these. Honestly. <laughs> like, what are you buying this for? It's true, right? There, there's no reason where you... In, in any fucking... Uh, world where in uh, an album from 89 in the 2000s you're buying it knowing it's history yeah uh i won't read the whole review but the three-star review that i enjoyed uh posted by sunny d degrassi nice says i will give them two stars for trying their failure well blame it on the rain (laughs) (laughs) so smart uh and uh finally those are that's kind of it for reviews i mean uh you know all music gives it like two and a half stars you know Uh it's pop crap right so whatever uh as i said earlier on in the show not much to say for the tour uh they start touring in 1989 uh they play shows throughout 1990 and they're playing arenas yep uh and then in 1991 things end very abruptly Yep, and that's it. It's over because again, they got uh, they got caught. Yeah, like Professor Noonja would say, it's over. <laughs> it's over. I'm trying to see if there's an actual like set list from one of these shows, like oh my God. what they actually sang. But uh, none of these postings, I guess. Oh, here's one that they remember. This is from uh, Universal City, California. Uh, and uh, is there anything? No, there's a couple of other tracks. I know that they actually did uh, covers of Ma Baker. <laughs> <laughs> no, they sure they did. did. Yeah, it's, if you you can find Are you it. Fucking shitting me. No, you can find it on uh, you can find it on Spotify. You know no. what? You know what? I know we've got we're at the end of the show, but if you bear with me for a second, because it's 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 just worth it, right? We, I I need to hear this. This is like one of those kind of rare instances where you where where you know. I scooped kind you. Of to me, it's nothing. It's something I would never have thought of, and it sounds amazing and uh, terrible. Let's at the same see time. if I let's see if I can find it here. Uh, popular. In the meantime, uh, do you have any closing thoughts on this album? I mean, here's my thing. Um, and we've talked about a lot of things. I mean, the media held the feet to the fire, and man, it'd be nice if they did that in other instances of things that actually matter. Um, it's much ado about nothing. Uh, the album, the album, fucking, it, it sucks. Uh, <laughs> but it's got a few classic tracks from the '80s. Listen, if you were, I want to know if anybody out there was a fucking adult in 1989 and was duped and got really upset about this. Cause I could see like a kid kind of being like, well, that kind of sucks, but not really. Cause kids are not stupid. They oh. would be like, well, they, they'd have moved on already by the time, by the time these guys got caught, no one gave a shit. Yeah. Like but yet the adults made such a big fucking deal out of it. And I, and I don't, I kind of don't know why. Like if you like, were, were they really big fans. Who the fuck was big fans of this? If you were waiting for Willie Vanilli's like second and third albums and thought there were going to be something, you were already an idiot, right? Yeah, it's like you kind of deserve this to happen. Here we go. Is the FBI's most wanted woman. Her photo is hanging on every post office wall. If you have any information, all right, scrub. (laughs) It's got the same beat. (laughs) Yep. You've got to be fucking shitting me on this. <laughs> no. Get to the singing. Jesus. Like, why do we need this? <laughs> I can't. Oh, my God. That would be scrub. Okay. 
There you go. I love Bob Baker by Boney M. I think it's fucking awesome. Now, this is terrible. And the thing is, it's like, how you, anybody was ever like really upset. I mean, the music fucking sucks. And you're like, I can't believe they didn't sing. You can't? Listen to this. They couldn't find a second drum beat. <laughs> I just think ultimately with this album, I mean, it was it was fucking carny bullshit. They it really was. You know, fake fake. You know, drum beats. They stole songs. They did crappy covers. They used the same drum beat. They faked the singers. They did yeah. all this bullshit to to push out this album, and like. Everybody was in on the scam. The singers, the producer, the record label. Like, the record label was fooled. Like, no one at the record label did a quality control check. <laughs> no! Right? Through all the four different pressings of the album that got sent out. Too. So, I mean, ultimately, everybody was in on this scam. People got duped. But again, my question still is, the music is real. It's a real product. It is. It's not, it's not great. But if you loved it as pop crap, why, like, why would you hate the music? You can, it doesn't make sense. You can be the a whole thing is mass produced. Yeah, the song is fine. If you think the song is good, it's still good. It's it's yeah. like it's like I mean it's a totally different uh, scenario here, right? And I don't want to cause too much controversy, but Michael Jackson's songs are still good. I just they are. I just don't want to listen to them because of the fucking dude. Exactly. So, anyways, true. Uh, but yeah, you know what? But but in this case, it's nowhere near that. No. It's just, it's just a thing. It's pop music. It was, it, you know, people liked it. I don't know how many adult was like, could be that fucking ripped up about this. The media made it into such a giant thing. And I'm usually not like one of those guys who will come down on the media for things. But come on, guys. Just right off the top of the show, when you hear that, when you hear them uh, uh, just clamoring for answers, and it's like, come on, dial it back a little bit. It's 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 a fucking album, and I know it sold a lot, but like in the grand scheme of things, eh, you know, makes for <laughs> funny stories though. So, uh, I mean, I'm not gonna give it a recommendation to listen, but please go listen to that last track and listen for the bucket. <laughs> uh, what's happening next week? Hopefully for real this time. Oh, we're gonna do Nirvana's Nevermind. I, I'm very excited. <laughs> okay, so stay tuned for that. Uh, yes. You know all the sources. Again, we're on Spotify. Uh, yes, we are iTunes, hit us up at Albums Are Dead on Twitter. Go to albumsaredead.com for more information about this show and, and follow uh, old tracks. Go back. We, we've posted them all. We have we have paid to post this material, at least till the summer. Yes, we have. Uh, and uh, can you tell our listeners how much money we've made off this podcast since we started? We have made no money on this podcast. <laughs> and that's no fucking lie. Like, not a goddamn cent. Support the artists, even if they don't need it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, until next All the week. Tag team. Are none. <laughs> uh, until next week, I am Slip with Five Eyes or Sleep. I'm at NegaMix.com. See you guys later. Good night. Can you feel like such a fool?